For over 10 years, I couldn't get my productions to sound how I wanted, so I buried myself in online tutorials trying to figure out why, and even having some of the same tools as other producers and mixers I envied, my productions weren't coming even close. I've heard the term referencing get thrown around, and I thought I was referencing the right way myself, but I was totally wrong, and over time developed a referencing system that would help me produce any desired result. I'm excited to announce that you can now use this same system yourself in our new course, The Magical Guide to Referencing. This gives you the exact framework I've used and successfully taught hundreds of students through the years. If you're ready to stop chasing your mixing tail in circles and ready to understand any mix you hear to replicate those same results for yourself, you can find a link to the magical guide to referencing in the description wherever you're listening. See you there, my friends. Hello and welcome to Working in Music Sucks. My name is John Maciel and for almost two decades I've been working in the audio recording industry. I've worked with producers and mixers like Bo Rochelle, Joey Sturgis and Josh Newell and countless others on records with bands like Era, Census Fell and Mooseblood. And along this journey I've also worked with two of the biggest music educational companies where I helped thousands of aspiring engineers achieve their dreams of making music production a fulfilling full-time career. But as great as that sounds, to be honest, the first 10 years of working in music sucked. I started this podcast to talk about what sucks about working in music so others like myself who love music production and want to wake up every morning fulfilled and driven to making records people love can do just that. Working in music sucks, but with what we talk about on this podcast, it doesn't have to any longer. If that sounds like your cup of coffee, then you're in the right place, my friends. Let's get into it. Trigger warning on this episode because it's going to make some listeners uncomfortable, but... It's not a bad uncomfortable. It's the uncomfortable you need to hear. And I guess I will be big brother or mixing dad (laughs) for this episode. And it's the idea of my, 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 my buddy, Charlie calls them sandbox mixes. And it's this thing where we do as mixers when we first start. And even like when we get a few years in, and I think we we will always struggle with, unfortunately, is tinkering with the mix as long as possible. And we just play with it. And we we open it up every now and then to try new t- techniques and tricks and whatever. But it never gets done, right? And that's what my buddy calls a sandbox mix. He's like, you just play in it, but you never do anything outside of that. Like, you never make a commitment. And I remember when he first called, uh, told me about this phrase that he had for it, it just, it always stuck with me. I was like, oh man, I kind of do that sometimes. And then I started realizing like the way to cure that and get away from that is to just get something done and just call it a day and then go back and remix it a month later, two months later, after you've, you know, tried a few more things and you got a few more mixes, uh, it's crazy to see how as time goes and you develop your skills change. But the one thing that needs to to happen all the time is you need the, you need to change the frequency of your output of whatever you're mixing. And you need to stay consistent with that because those two things, frequency, the amount and consistency is going to equal mastery, mastery eventually. And I mean, and Tom Algae said in one of his like interviews that even when he's when he has a, a day where he's not like booked to mix a song, he still goes on to a studio and he'll mix a song that day. He'll pull up another song from a record that he wants to listen to and he'll clear out the session and he'll mix. 
and he'll just see where it takes him that day. If it takes him to the same place, something a little bit different. And, you know, maybe there's a trick that he wants to try that he saw someone else do, but he, he constantly does that. And I know my mentor Bo does the same thing. It's like days that there isn't any tech, like mixing work or recording still goes out and tests things and tries things, but gets something done for the day and then moves on. There's this like level of stress importance that gets pushed onto every single mix that we work on. And rightfully so, like we should care about the project in front of us. We want to give it 120%. We want it to be the best that it could absolutely be. And there is no shame in that. And it's a hundred percent what we should strive for, but we're not going to get better at mixing until we accept that the mixes are never going to be a hundred percent amazing. But what we should do is get it to the best that we can. And we feel good at that point, print it and move on to the next mix. If this is just us practicing, obviously if, it, if we're making mixes for clients, it's a whole different thing. But for the majority of it, we need to get consistent with just being confident that we did the best we could at that moment in time and just moving on, moving on. Because that is going to be where you get your reps in. You really start understanding your style, things you like to do, things you don't like to do. And it helps in the, just give you a sense of like, okay, this is this is what works for me. This doesn't work for me. I don't need this plugin because this is not something I would need. Or I need this plugin. I need something that does this. What are plugins that do this, this, and this? Or what's a new way to do this in the DAW? Because I do this all the time manually. There has to be a faster way, yada, yada, yada. You go down this rabbit hole of trying to figure out how to optimize everything you're doing because you're getting a, you're getting a better sense of who you are as a mixing engineer but you have to commit to just under finishing and gain it done and understanding that it's never going to be what you imagine it to be in your mind. It's never, you're never going to meet that thing. Right. And maybe you're thinking and you're like, well, imposter syndrome's kicking in now. Cause I'll never be the next like CLA or TLA or Manny Mariquin or whatever. That shouldn't be the goal. The goal should be for you to finish a mix as soon as possible, move on, learn from it and do it again and do your reps and get to the point to where you kind of know how you like things to go. You understand the tools that you keep using and eventually it evolves to, instead of you mixing the song, you are helping the songs, the songs being mixed through you. And it's not you going and try to force things and get you put your staple on it. It's more, okay, what does the song want to do? And how do I use my skill set to get the song to do what it wants to do naturally? And your philosophy starts changing. And that was a huge epiphany for me once I got out of sandbox mixing was instead of trying to try all the tricks, instead of trying to like in, impose my will onto the mix, it became more about, okay, what does the mix want to do? And okay, it wants to do this. Let me do that, do that. And then my taste coming in to help guide it towards that direction. and the only way I could have gone there and continually develop this is by consistently just knocking out a mix, even when I'm practicing and just, okay, this is where I'm at today. This is where I'm at today. And some days are going to be better than others. It's not always, it's not always increased uh, output that's better each and every single time you do it. Some days you just suck. Like nothing's clicking. Your ears are just not vibing. You don't, you're, it's just not working and you get frustrated but the next day you come in, you mix another song, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, this feels good today. And then you chase that feeling, and it rejuvenizes, uh, you know, 
the love of it all. But those sandbox mixes, they've got to stop. You got to stop just tinkering with things just to tinker. Should you explore things? Yes. But I think it's more helpful to do it when it's like, yeah, this trick, I want to try this trick in this next mix. You try it, it doesn't work. Okay, you move on. Now you remember it. Try the next mix. All right, let me try this trick. And then you start learning, when do these tricks actually work? What kind of songs? What kind of things? And they're, just think of these tricks as tools in your toolkit to know and remember to pull out whenever something else uh, comes across uh, your, your lap. But if you're spending like an hour trying to get this trick or thing to work, or you, and you keep massaging it, trying to figure it out. It might not be the right trick for that song or that part that you've done in that mix. You just might need to move on. And that's the problem with the sandbox mixes is like you've created a mix to go to a certain place based on the moves that you're making and the decisions. And if you come and make a whole weird different decision all of a sudden, well, you're tinkering even longer because the thing you've introduced may have not, you may have not built your mix around this type of trick or technique. But if you start off with that the following time much earlier, all of a sudden the mix goes in a different direction. You see what I'm saying? So instead of, you know, getting lost in the sandbox, go in with an objective of like, okay, today I'm going to play with this set of toys over here and whichever ones seem to work, I'm going to play tomorrow with these set of tools, but I'm going to also try this other toy that I like just saw this other kid playing with. And I think that looks cool. So. You know, mixing is a lifelong marathon type journey. It's not something that you're going to figure out in the next like two months. You're going to always be learning new things, new tricks, new ways to pro do things, new processes and embracing it and then testing it in a way to where you're not also just getting lost in something that is just never going to resolve itself Um you, you could just, this is just mindless hours. I've done it so many times and I'm just, I just really hope <laughs> that this episode has, will prevent you from making the same mistakes that I've made when it comes to doing these. And I know so many other friends and students in the past have done this exact thing. And they're like, Oh yeah, I messed with it for like an hour. It's like the trick should work right away. If not, it's not the right trick for that particular mix session. Um, and by right away, I mean, I five to 10 minutes is like max. And then after that, it's time to move on to something else. Mute it or whatever. Try it in a fresh track. But don't just rely on like, okay, if I massage it for like 30 minutes, I'll get it working. Move on. <laughs> like, this, just think of it this way. You've spent, if you spend more than five to 10 minutes on trying to get something to work in a mix, is is it really going to like, make the biggest difference to the listener when we should be focusing on the emotive connection and what the song's trying to convey to the listener. I have a hard time believing because I've never seen it where someone spends numerous hours to get something to feel right. And then they don't end up just like completely just deleting it, starting from scratch again. <laughs> Cause it's like, yeah, I spent all the time doing it and it just wasn't worth it. So I, I just started from scratch and made better decisions. Um, it It's just, it's a path you don't need to go down. Learn from my mistakes and the mistakes of many people I've worked with. Uh, you know, if you're at that point, but you want that trick to work, you might need to start clearing out a few things. Um, and again, start from, from new. I know it sucks, right? But it doesn't have to suck. 
you just need to slow down, get out of the sand, <laughs> go dry off, and just practice getting mixes done. And then start exploring. Just get a mix done. Seriously, stop spending a month on a mix. You start giving yourself a little like two-day window. And an exercise that's actually really, really helpful is get like five to ten mixes that you want to do. And before you even start mixing them, spend like a good, you know, day two or three prepping all those sessions. Just get them all prepped. And then on, you know, whatever, the next day after you've prepped them all, go and mix the first song. Get it to the best you can. Bounce it. Don't listen back to it. Just bounce it. Then the following day, do the next song. Do that for all five to ten songs that you have to mix and just print them and then go and listen to them. See how they're, see how they came out. See if you got better at just getting things done. And the reason you want, you don't want to listen to them right away after you finish mixing or the next day and you just want to wait because you want to be able to not be, uh, pressured or called to go and visit that mix before you move on to the next one. You want to commit to it. You want to just know that that was the best you could do at that moment in time and start finding. And then when you, when you listen back to what's really interesting because I've done this so many times, is you start noticing you did something on one mix, but you didn't do it on another. And then you go back and you're listening for like, what were the differences and why did this thing happen here, but not here? Because technically you're the same person, right? And you kind of want to see like, oh, what, what, what in this song directed me to make these decisions as opposed to this one? Maybe I want to take this, this thing that I'm doing and learn to apply it on everything. Cause that's a, that's a sound that I really like. That's like something I enjoy. And if it's appropriate for each and every song, if not 90% of the songs I'm mixing, that's the direction I want to go in. And you start learning a lot about your style when you really like in a very compound way, just start doing all these tracks and you start listening back later, not the day of, not the following day, but like finish the tracks. And then in a group session, like, Oh, and making notes of all this stuff and then rinse and repeat. If you only have 10 songs to mix, you know, save as, clear everything out. And then now with what you've learned the past like two or three weeks, go back and remix them again and see what decisions come up and do it in reverse order. Don't mix the same song first, like start in reverse order and see what happens now that time around. And it's incredible playing this way with mixes, how much it just opens up your mind to like how you work and how you think when you do it in a way where it's very fast intervals and you're not overthinking it. You're not listening back and be like, Oh, I want to fix this. It's like you're learning to trust your gun commit. And then you're learning the moves and the decisions that you make that lead to certain outcomes. And you start learning slowly like, Oh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that because that will lead to this, but I want to do this. And I want to do that because these will lead me to the outcomes that I do want but you have to get out of the sandbox to do all this. So I know, I know being in music sucks because there's always new things. But with this one that we talked about in today's episode, hopefully, you know, making music and working in music doesn't have to suck anymore till the next episode. <laughs>